What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. This week we're talking Wes Anderson, one of my favorite filmmakers. He has a new movie out in theaters called Asteroid City. So we'll be discussing that one and then also talking about the new Netflix movie, Extraction 2. And of course, I've got some good streaming uh, options for your weekend lined up. Um, so you want to stick around for all that. I want to say off the top that you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. Really appreciate you guys reading, spreading the word, and let me know both what movies I should be watching in the future and what you think of any of these movies, starting with Asteroid City. Ask any average moviegoer to name all the directors that he or she knows, and I'd be impressed if they can think of more than five. If you ask if they can describe the specific filmmaking style of any director, that list shortens to just one. Wes Anderson. Whether or not you've seen The Grand Budapest Hotel or Moonrise Kingdom, The Royal Tenenbaums, or any of his other movies, you can identify his work almost instantaneously. Anderson's style, symmetrical framing, pastel colors, quirky or offbeat characters, deadpan delivery, intricate set design, it's so iconic that it's become a TikTok trend over the past few months. And this, despite the theory that TikTok-aged audiences don't go to movies anymore. And also, AI has even been able to transpose his style on everything from Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings. Seriously, look it up. I've got the links in my newsletter. It's hard to imagine any other filmmaker getting the same treatment simply because the tweens and the software wouldn't know what to spoof. Asteroid City is the most Wes Anderson-y Wes Anderson movie to date, stacking artifice upon elaborate artifice from its base construction. A television special about a stage play presented as a Hollywood movie set in a Roswell-esque desert town during the 1950s. Jason Schwartzman, nominally our protagonist, is himself an actor who is here playing an actor, playing a photographer, who in one scene is trying to be an actor. The movie proceeds along these two paths. One, a behind-the-scenes story of the creation of the play in black and white, and the other, the play itself. But don't worry, this isn't some reality-questioning mind-bender like Synecdoche, New York. Anderson's style is about more than the way his frames look, of course. His dollhouse constructions, or in this case, Russian nesting doll, are embodied with a sort of juvenile spirit and simplicity. This is where the common criticism of his movies being twee or trite comes from. The most ungenerous reading of Asteroid City and his other less successful projects is that the fancy architecture disguises a rather simple, innocent, perhaps even substance-free center. This perspective would say that the movie is amusement for amusement's sake, even if the plot is an incredible Rube Goldberg machine of interconnected pieces, that's a high-wire balancing act to pull off. I disagree. What's incredible to me is that within many of his stories, the characters similarly employ precision or procedure to sort through their emotions. They do not wear their hearts on their sleeves and come to their emotional reckoning slowly and reluctantly. This over-intellectualization is pure Wes, a guy who jam-packs his movies full of dense references, 
like here to Marilyn Monroe or Marlon Brando and the Meisner method and a streetcar named desire and probably like 20 other things that I didn't catch. I think this makes the movies more rewarding upon close inspection and rewatch. You can be amused on the surface and have to work a bit for the true payoff. The pretense that Wes Anderson movies are for people who are smart or think they're smart is absolutely resonant. When I see this movie again, I'm sure I'll better understand the melancholy at the heart of it, pondering the question of, is this all worth it? Until then, it's basically a Where's Waldo of every famous actor in Hollywood. The cast list runs easily 30 names deep with A-list talent, including, just to name a few, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, Lee F. Schreiber, and the usual Anderson collaborators like Ed Norton, Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Jeff Goldblum, William Dafoe. I mean, everyone. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you basically everyone is in this movie, even just for three minutes. It's wild. So do I think this is one of Anderson's very best works? Upon first viewing, I do not. But he's made 11 movies, and I can confidently report that every single one of them is at least very good, maybe even great. He's a master at work, and in the opinion of this podcast and my newsletter, going out to see the new movies from our true masters is always good policy. So proceed accordingly. This week, something new comes to us by way of Netflix, which I think I've watched less Netflix movies this year, certainly than last year. Uh, I don't know if that's a trend, or maybe I finally just cut the cord. (laughs) But we're talking about Extraction It's pretty incredible uh, the degree to which modern action movies now are just copying what video games were doing five to ten years ago. I talked about this phenomenon with John Wick 4, and you can go back and listen to that episode, but the action set pieces in this Chris Hemsworth shoot-em-up gave me deja vu from Call of Duty missions years ago. That's how similar they were. I'm not really sure we need to see real-life renderings of these moments, or in many cases, I should say, lifelike CGI animations of these moments, but who am I to tell Netflix how to spend $100 million? The action sequences are pretty cool here, and they need to be, because the handful of talking scenes stitching them together are doomed from the start. Everyone is trying their best to make a story out of the globetrotting nonsense, But I have a hard time believing that anyone watching the movie really cares about the emotional ties holding together our characters before they begin punching, stabbing, and shooting each other. The the first movie worked well because it was so simple, and there wasn't a need to connect a larger universe mythology to the whole thing, which is something I've called franchisitis in the past. This movie, on the other hand, feels burdensomely laborious and disappointingly familiar. Another big budget dud creatively that is for netflix's film department this week's something old it's from 2001 it's y tu mama tambien or and your mother too (laughs) with the release this weekend of jennifer lawrence's no hard feelings and the trailer for Challengers, which you can see in the trailer watch section of the newsletter, there's been several references in the movie discourse to Alfonso Cuaron's Y Tu Mama Tambien. Alfonso Cuaron, by the way, if you don't know, is the guy that made Children of Men, Gravity, Roma. I mean, truly one of our, another one of our true masters. 
This was his breakthrough feature, and I'd never seen it, mostly due to its reputation as nothing more than a raunchy road trip movie about an older woman showing two boys the ways of the world, if you catch my drift. I wasn't really prepared for something as profound and layered as this coming-of-age story about male friendship. The kids in question, played by a young Diego Luna, who is Andor, and Andor, most importantly, and uh, Gael Garcia Bernal, who was the main character in M. Night Shyamalan's Old from, I think, last year or two years ago. They're the two kids, and they're at that stage of late adolescence where they become aware of the pending responsibilities of life and clinging tightly to their last few days of carefree fun, luring a woman into a road trip across Mexico to a secret beach that they entirely made up. A steady stream of new revelations that I won't spoil plunge the story into deeper emotional territory until by the end, this very simple construction has taken on deep resonance. I mean, what an awesome movie. Highly recommend it with the sticker warning that there is some sexual content. This week's Something to Stream is on Hulu. It's Murder at Yellowstone City. This micro-budget indie itself isn't nearly as interesting as the story behind it. The producers of this movie, they bought some land in Montana, and then they built an entire to-scale western town with the hopes of luring future productions to the site, and they've since gotten a Rolls-Royce ad and a Nick Cage movie called The Old Way, which is also on Hulu. And in that way, one can see how this movie is being used as an advertisement for the property. I mean, we got wide shots of the open vistas and interiors of a saloon, church, you know, stable. They're, and they're frequent and enticing, even if they don't always serve a story that is as cliche as those locations might make it seem. It's about a prospector who finds gold and then turns up murdered. And everyone blames the mysterious cowboy who just rode into town. But suspects include, you know, the sheriff, the preacher, and the prostitute. <laughs> I mean, the reason to watch this movie is the, is the surprisingly awesome cast inhabiting each of those archetypes. The Old Spice guy, Isaiah Mustafa, he's the cowboy. Gabriel Byrne is the sheriff. Thomas Jane, who you might know from Boogie Nights and The Punisher, he's the preacher. Richard Dreyfus, like literally the Richard Dreyfus, the guy from Jaws, he's the saloon keeper. And you'll also recognize the faces of Zach McGowan and Anna Camp. The vibes are quite high, even if the writing is a little suspect, to be enjoyed mostly by hardcore Western fans. And admittedly, those hardcore Western fans have been underserved recently. I really just, I can't wait to see what some more ambitious filmmaker does with this Yellowstone film ranch in the future. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's show. Really appreciate you listening. Again, if you head over to the newsletter, you're going to get the trailer for Challengers, the new Luca Guadagnino movie starring Zendaya, set in the world of professional tennis. I mean, sign me up. That's the <laughs> one, two, and three, and I'm in. Uh, so, yeah, you, you definitely want to check that one out. As for next week's show, as I mentioned, No Hard Feelings is coming out, the Jennifer Lawrence movie that I definitely was not planning to see. Looked like a B-movie. I think I even made fun of it uh, in when on, in Trailer Watch a couple couple weeks ago. But uh, it's getting good reviews, so I guess I'm going to check that out. Asteroid City is the 
big movie of the week that's expanding wide. Also, Past Lives is expanding to a wider audience um, this week. So if you have a chance to see Asteroid City or Past Lives expanding your way, definitely check it out. I will probably cover No Hard Feelings next week um, and maybe a little Indiana Jones. Oh, that's that's the weekend after. But maybe I'll rewatch one of the older Indiana Jones to talk about next week as well. So come back for that. And until then, guys, I guess I'll see you at the movies. <laughs>